So first I'll start with prayer. If we can, let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for our space in the building. We thank you for where we are right now in this age. We thank you because you speak to our hearts. You shift us. You prepare us for what's coming. You've been waiting on us, and we thank you for being patient, for giving us the opportunity to hear what you have to say. So, Father, right now I pray that everything under the sound of my voice has a spiritual alignment, that we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, every last one of us, that we are made greater, made better, that we are transformed going forward forevermore, that we will no longer be the same, no longer business as usual, but going forward that we are kingdom business. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to take my seat like I promised. So just bear with me a sec. We good? All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I hope you have your note-taking apparatus available. Uh, we will continue on the same subject line that we've been on all year. Uh, we've been talking about kingdom. So we've been discussing kingdom, and it's been a, a beautiful, beautiful time. If you have been blessed by the kingdom message this year, type amen, clap, holla, do something if God has changed some things in your life through this kingdom message this year. Amen. So we are still on the same vein, and we're still in the as it is, uh, bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. And um, we've been talking for the last few weeks now about the Holy Spirit, um, what the Holy Spirit is, is doing, what the Holy Spirit is, is here for, the roles of the Holy Spirit. And um, we've been under the, the lesson of the royal counselor. And so we're continuing in that same vein to end out our last Sunday in this year. And it's as it is the royal counselor. And this particular discussion subtopic is going to be the connection. The connection. The connection. All right. And so just to kind of help everybody to get up to speed here, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates on behalf of God. And most of us understand the Holy Spirit is God. It is, it is who God is. It is God in operation. It is God in activity. It has all of the power of God. It, it's not limited at all. It is a part of the triune idea of how we kind of capture or perceive God to be. We perceive God the Father. We perceive God the Son in Jesus and we perceive him in spirit form in the Holy Spirit. And so we understand how God is all in one, how he is magnificent, how he is fully harmonious with himself and fully connected. And sometimes there is a, a, a mentality that separates us from God. And so we need to understand the connection, why we are created the way we are created, why we were created by God and how God intends to operate in and with us. And so many times we uh, understand that God has a way to commune with us. And he decides to do it through the spirit. You know, we know the scripture says that they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Right. We get that there is a a reason that true worshipers, true people who support, who submit to God, have a connection that's far past the natural things. And we've made the spiritual application in the earth with the church a mystic and um, we've kind of separated it and made it into an earthly thing that we all understand. So when we say things like the spirit, what comes to your mind is handshaking someone speaking in tongue or, or, or some physical operation. We, we align uh, the spirit with chills, goosebumps, 
and things like this. We, we, we don't tend to understand the fullness of what the spirit really, really is because we, we look at it through our lenses, which is carnal, which we have, you know, our, our own mental limits on how we can perceive God and see God for who he is. And what God does is because we can't absorb God in our natural understanding, he gives us the best part of him so that we can understand him from his perspective. And in order for, to do that, he has to create an avenue to connect with us. And so this is where we'll go. I want us to uh, first, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to look at it through the Passion Translation, 7 through 16. All right. And so... Let's, uh, let's take a look, all right? And so the scripture says, instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden, before now a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the age, to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all of his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yet, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart? And know his hidden impulses except for the person's spirit. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are fully understood by his spirit. The spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system. But the spirit of God. So that we might come to understand and to experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level they reject the revelation of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelation of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things, and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. Who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor. Christ has, and we possess Christ's perception. Amen. Word does something all by itself, doesn't it? So now let's, let's dig in a little bit. I want us to understand the anatomy, if you will, I use that word anatomy because we're familiar with the body and the structure and the systems of how the body works. So I will talk to us about the anatomy of the entire being or the human being. Okay. And so we have to understand that just like God, who is triune, who is the father, who is the son, and who also is the Holy Spirit in fullness, we are also created in a like fashion. The Bible says that we have three parts. There is a total 
part, it's three parts totally in our anatomy, in our spiritual anatomy or our makeup, if you will. And so I want us to discover and explore these. Now, this scripture can be found if you take a look in, what is it, 1 Thessalonians? Yeah, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. If we can get that up, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So you can see that this, I'm not just making this up. <laughs> this is scripture. And so Paul writes, now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. Completely holy. But watch this. And may your entire being, this is, this is the fullness of who you are, the spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. All right? Now, let's, let's stay right here for a second and let's get an understanding. All right? So if you have been following us all year, you know we've been going back to Genesis. <laughs> we've been hitting it from the beginning. We've been talking about our creation and the kingdom mentality. And we had to go to the origin. It's hard to understand purpose without going to the origin of a thing. So in order for us to get an understanding of who we are, we have to look at who created us, why he created us in the image of him. So let's take a look back at Genesis so we can see how we are created. Now, we just read that we have three parts. There's a spirit, there's a soul, and there's a body. Let's dig into the spirit, soul, and body this message will focus intently on two of we're going to talk parts. The body, we're going to leave that alone. Right now, we're going to talk about the spirit-soul connection. The spirit-soul connection. All right, so let's go to Genesis. Let's look in Genesis real quick. All right. Genesis 1:26, and this is the King Jimmy version. And God said, let us make man... In our image. Wait a minute. 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 So now we understand here that God has just got finished creating everything, right? He created the heavens and the earth. He separated the waters from the waters. He moved the dry land in one place. He got the waters in one place. He's got the sun. He's got the moon. He's got all of these wonderful things. He's got all of these animals that he created, and he pulled them all from a specific place of the earth. Now he's going to create man. Okay. So now, when he creates man, this is an important factor that we have to understand. Um, and I heard Miles Monroe minister on this when he talks about the kingdom. Awesome, awesome, awesome man of God. And he talks about how God created something. He pulled something out of something else. And everything that he created, it, it can only sustain life within what he created it in. Okay? Let me give you some examples so you can follow me on this. He, cre he pulled the fish. He created them out of the water. If you take a fish out of the water, a fish dies. He created the cattle, the, 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 the creeping things, out of the earth. If you remove them from the earth or take them out of that diet plan, they die. They get sick. They die. They cannot live without what they were created in. Okay? We understand that. Same thing with birds. <laughs> look, at our, look at our fellow chicken, right? It is the top of the food chain, I mean the bottom of the food chain, because it doesn't fly. If it was in, able to take flight, it would be harder to capture. However, it's a grounded bird, so we love it. Thank God for chicken. Amen, somebody. All right, so now, let's look at us. We were created out of God. If we are separated from what we were created within, we cease to be, we die. The fact of the matter is, is that if you separate yourself from God, the scripture calls it sin, and the wages of sin is death. So now, you counsel yourself from being able to be if you separate yourself from the creator and what he created you in. So here's God. God says, I'm going to create man. Let us create man out of us. 
Now he says, let us create man out of us, but he created everything else out of, out of, out of the earth. Now, here's the catcher. If God just only created us out of him in spirit, then the only thing that we could ever enjoy would have been just spirit. So in order, because he created the earth for man, in order for us to enjoy the trappings of everything that he created, he had to create a connection where we would not only be able to explore him, but we could also explore the earth. So in order for that to take place, he had to create soul and body. There has to be a connection to the earth. You can pray until you're blue in the face. If there is no action for you in the earth, everything that you ask the heavenly father for is just in commune with him. It has no action until it's being put into action by you in the earth. We are seeking a kingdom. We want the kingdom of God to become the kingdom of this world. How does that happen? It happens through what God created. God's idea was to establish a kingdom in the earth. Let's break that down. Kingdom. Kingdom. Let's break that down. Kingdom. Kingdom. So, kingdom. Break it down into two. Two words. You got king, and then you have dumb. Dumb is the short part for domain. All right? A king is a ruler, a monarch. Someone's in complete control, a sovereignty. A domain is a territory where this person controls. That's what a domain is. A domain is only a space that can be dominated or controlled. We want kingdom come. We want the king to reign in the earth. His whole thought process was, I am going to create you, but I'm going to give you the ability to establish in the earth what I have established in the heavens, and you and I will constantly be together. But the, it doesn't work if we take the king away. It doesn't work. I'm going to trace something down. I want, you, I want you to understand this. That The Lord told me this when I was researching this. He said this, domination without consultation is sin or offense, and it makes you an enemy of God. I'll say it again if you're, if you're taking notes. Domination without consultation is sin or offense and makes you an enemy of God. Let's look at this. God said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. He creates an environment where you can't do anything without him. Why? There is constantly a connection that's needed. Why? Because there's constantly, I love what Pastor Jay used when he taught on this a couple of weeks back or maybe last week when he said he looked up the word consultation and one of the definitions was a heart to heart. There was an expectation for there to be a constancy in a heart to heart in order for man to understand how to have dominion in the earth. Genesis 1.26, you can throw it up. Let's, let's read it. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now watch what he says next. And let them have dominion. He said, let us make men, but let them have dominion. I submit to you right now, the problems that we see and that we face on our earth has nothing to do with God. 
I know you're praying for God to change the president. I know you're praying for God to change the governmental structure. I understand you're praying for God to heal the sick. I know you're praying for God to raise the dead. But the issue that we're really having right now has nothing to do with God. God never intended to have dominion of the earth. He intended for us to have dominion of the earth. This is not my Bible. Let's read it again. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. I know we're praying for God to heal the races. I know we're praying for God to heal hearts and souls. I know we want God to, to take away poverty. I know we're praying that God clothe those people that are naked and give food to the people who are hungry. I get it. But at the end of the day, God never required that from his throne. There was supposed to be a connection. And with a connection, spirit and soul, now I operate in the context through consultation that is appropriate to kingdom living in the earth. Let them have dominion. What did he say have dominion over? Have dominion over everything else that he created. We'll see it. The fish of the sea. Have dominion over them. Over the fowl of the air, have dominion over them. Over the cattle, have dominion over them. Over what? All of the earth. Have dominion over all of the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. What's, what's missing here from this discussion about what God intended to have dominion over? us to have dominion over the thing that's missing is us he never intended for us to have dominion over us that's why the government system doesn't change by your prayer life Because it was never God's intention to create that environment. It was our intention. So when the government has no access to God, how can we have kingdom in the earth? If we put the responsibility on the government, what we have to do is change the perception because God intended to have a connection. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now let me help everybody. Male and female created he them. God's intention was never to only provide the authority of dominion to the male species. God's intention was for there to be a harmony, a connection. He created male and female to exemplify him. Him. I know me too. That don't have nothing to do with what God is saying. God is saying you don't need to fight for specific rights for specific things because when you're in the kingdom your connection overrides those things people operate 
equitably. They make sure that they are responsible and caring to one another. They love one another. They look out. There's no schisms. There's no separations. There's no divisions. When we see these things, we're playing into the hand of the spirit of this world. Listen, domination without consultation is sin, offense, and makes you an enemy of God. Let this shake your trust in what you have been submitted to the years that you've been on the planet. Because you fortified a trust system to a government that's not built for you. What are you saying, Pastor A.B.? Are you saying we should just overthrow? No. What I'm saying is the same thing that the Bible says. The Bible says the earth groans. The whole creation in labor pains. They are struggling, ready to deliver, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to wit, to wit, to understand. We are the representation of kingdom in the earth. And God didn't say get permission. Let them have dominion. That was all the permission that you needed. Soul connection. Now, let's dig a little deeper into this. Let's go to Genesis 2, 7. Let's look at this real quick. I want us to make a connection because we're talking right now about spirit and soul and that connection. So now we understand that here goes God creating man. Now he just says what his intention is. He, he told us his purpose. Genesis 1, 26, 27 said this is the purpose. Now this is the application. So this in the second chapter is God now acting out what he already intended to do. Okay. He said, I'm going to do this. This is the purpose. Look at God establishing a purpose before he gives instruction. Before he provides application, he sets a purpose. Here's my thoughts. Here's my innermost thoughts. Here's my spirit in relation to this. Here's my word. Here's what I think. Here's my heart in relation to this. Now, let me take some action and put some hands to it. He's teaching us how to be like him. Everything that God does is intentional. So he establishes, here's my thought, here's my plan, this is what I got, this is what I'm going for. Now watch this. And the Lord God now puts his hands to something. The scripture says he formed man of the dust of the ground. And now here comes the spirit, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Let's look at that right there. I want you to take this down. Breath. Okay? We're going to start with breath. All right? The word breath there, it's a Hebrew word. I'll spell it for you if, you, if you'd like. You could take this down. N-E-S-H-A-M-A-H. Neshama. N-E-S-H-A-M-A-H. It means breath, spirit, breath of God, breath of man, spirit of man. I'll read those again. It means, or breath, excuse me, spirit, 
It means breath of God, breath of man, or spirit of man. All right? This is the function of what happens right now. Here's God, and he breathes. Okay? Now, the importance here is that's the breath, but the breath is of life. So let's look at what life means. Life, I'll spell that for you too. The Hebrew word is cha, or it actually says ka, ka, but it's C-H-A-Y, okay? Life, of course, is living, alive, flowing, active, okay? Reviving, okay? All right? The breath of life. So he breathes out of his his nostrils into man. He breathes into man this spirit of man, this breath of God, this spirit of man, this breath of man. I want you to understand something about the soul. The soul and the spirit are so close that many scholars can't separate it in Scripture. So when they provide definitions, they give definitions for both. Because there is such a tight connection that it's hard to see when one ends and the other begins. And so here comes God breathing his very essence into man in such a way that we can't even define whether it's the spirit of man or whether it's the spirit of God or whether it's the breath of man or whether it's the breath of God. It's so in sync. There's such a connection that you can't separate the two. In fact, in the New Testament, in Hebrews 4.12, it says that only the spirit, the word of God, is sharp enough to know how to divide the two. It compares it to how your bone and your marrow is connected. And it says that just like your marrow is in the bone and nobody can really figure that thing out, the same way the spirit and the soul are intertwined. So God determined that he would, after he set a purpose for man, now empower man with him so that there was no separation between what God was and what man was. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. Why could God trust man with such a huge undertaking? Because man was empowered by the breath of God. And if man ran it, God ran it. Soul, spirit, connection, two, so close we can't tell the difference. Let's go to Hebrews 4. Let's let's take a look at Hebrews 4. I want you to see this because it's important that we see this. Hebrews 4.12, the pastor translates it. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. Sounds kind of like that breath of life, right? Full of energy. And it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up, man. Where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. You can't make this stuff up. It interprets, here's the good thing, it interprets and reveals 
the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. Stay right there for a second. Now, spirit, soul. We all understand what the spirit is, and we talk about this, the spirit of God quite We've been doing that for a while now. We've been talking about how the Spirit of God does this, the Spirit of God does that, the royal counselor. However, what we did, what we need to make a connection with is how the Spirit of God works with our spirit. Okay? So, the Spirit of God was never intended to be separated from us. It was always meant to be in us and with us. That was the intention from the beginning. When he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, the breath of life, he intended for his spirit to remain forever. It wasn't until sin entered where the separation then occurred. Okay? And this is why the word of God says, in the day that you were found in disobedience and you eat of this tree, you will surely die. It wasn't a death sentence that God was going to murder Adam. It was, a, it was just going to happen based off of the fact that you severed a connection with your life force. I was who you were intended to be in your whole life. And through offense, through domination, without consultation, you now put yourself in the place of my enemy and you separated yourself from me. Not because I didn't love or intend the right thing for you, but because you went about making your own motives and taking the soul that I gave you and you determined that you can use your will and your emotions in a way to judge how you wanted to do this thing without consultation. Without consultation. So here, the Holy Spirit then comes into our life because we all get born into sin. Because of Adam... We were born into sin. But the story doesn't end there. Thank God. He created a plan for redemption that had to come through the same legal manner that the first Adam came in. And so now we have a second Adam in Jesus. And the second Adam accomplished what the first Adam did not. Which reconciled us spirit to spirit back to God. So now, our entire being has now been redeemed. And we have been now placed back into the full connection where there is no separation now. How does that happen? Is it based off of your judgments? Is it based off of what you did? No. What you could not do and that you were weak in the flesh. God sending his own son and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why did he do that? So the fulfillment of his connection could be reestablished in the earth. So that kingdom could come. So that will could be done. In us as it is in heaven. So here comes the connection. All right? Let's take a look. We're going to walk it. We're going to walk it. Let's go to Romans. I got a little time. Let's go to Romans 12. Let's look at Romans 12. It's important that we understand what our role is, all right? So Backdrop is to understand God's plan, right? What God was trying to do, why God did things the way he did it. Jesus reconciled us to God. So now what he did was he took the punishment without sin. He never separated himself from God. But he was forsaken by God for our 
sakes. And his blood was so important, his life was so wonderful, that he, before you were ever born, rectified what Adam messed up before you were ever born. I want to shake your idea that you are just created to be in sin, to be rebellious, or to be the child of Satan. That was never God's intention for you. He thought about you before he created man. You were in his mind. The very fact of you being here is an expression of his thought towards you. The other thing is now we have to realize what God had intended before the foundation of the world. That's why we started out reading that we were talking about the mysteries of what was already intended before the foundation of the world. These things were hidden to men. If men knew what was going on, they never would have hung him up, Doc. They never would have put him on that cross. Because, see, men have this innate desire to have dominion because we were created in the image of God. However, because of a lack of consultation, it's perverted and it wants to rule how it wants to rule. I have to shake your allegiance to this thought that men outside of God are just they trying to do it right, you know. The scripture says we should not think like the world thinks. There is a system of thought that says good is all right. Not God, but good. And we fight each other. The enemy is so divisive. And he turns us against each other who name the name of the Lord for worldly situations. You want to see it? Wait till it's time to vote. You want to see the divisiveness of Satan? Wait till something happens in the public eye. That creates an outcry. I see more church folk fighting. Than the world. Why? Could it be. That we're not consulting. Could it be. That we're a part of a system. That is attempting to dominate. Without consultation. Could it be that that's where our allegiance lies? Is it possible that I haven't elevated my thought process enough to really recognize I'm kingdom? And the kingdom of God is not like this kingdom because when the righteous reign the people rejoice but when the wicked reign the people mourn so listen beloved friends what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness 
experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Not just before I got saved. Not just don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew. Don't run with those that do. Not just, I'm not going to fornicate. Not going to commit adultery. What about the systems that you were trained coming up? What about the thought process that told you that you were less than? What about the thought process that told you because of a skin complexion, you had to be this type of way? What about the systems that were passed down through generations that you adopted just from being here? Is it possible that some of those things still linger in your soul? Is it possible that you have not yet given up on those things and put them on the altar of God so that he could burn away the things that he never intended for you to have? Is it possible that you just want to put God's stamp on who you are and let that be the new Christian? church, tithe, giving, good life for relationship and connection is it okay for me to hate you because you choose a different running mate than I choose as long as I smile and shake your hand at service Is this God's intention for what a connection was supposed to be for? This should challenge us all to sacrifice ourselves. Put it on the altar. All right. So I'm going to give you three things. I'm not going to hold you. I'm going to give you three things. We see the dilemma. The dilemma is not that the spirit of God is not in us. The dilemma is not that salvation hasn't saved us. The issue is not that God isn't all powerful. The issue is not that God doesn't want his kingdom in the earth. The issue is, am I completely and totally flawless in my entire being by the connection that I have soul to spirit. That's what the issue is. Now, I will tell you this. I know you probably heard it. You'll chase it down in your own time. I'm not going to teach on that. That's not my assignment. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. You were made in spirit form. When you receive salvation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I believe it is, correct me if I'm wrong, says that you 
have been created new. What part of you was created new? Your spirit. Not your soul. Not your body. Just your spirit. When it says you there, it's talking to you spiritually. Your spirit is made new, immediate. Another scripture says that at that point, the Holy Spirit then seals your spirit. It makes it blameless. It keeps it from ever getting any wickedness in it anymore because it marries it. It connects with it in such a way that the two become one. Through salvation, it's no longer just your spirit. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit, you can't tell where one ends and the other begins. That's what redemption did. That's the work of Jesus and the cross. It is not based off of you. It is based off of faith. That's what Jesus did. Not your works that any man should boast. That happened. Now, we just saw that there needs to be a mind renewal, a soul renewal. This is what the spirit intends to do with your soul. Was it third John? Be in health and prosper even as your soul doth prosper. We ain't even talked about the body. Some of you are calling for healing and wondering why healing isn't coming. What's going on with your soul? God's trying to get you wholly complete. But he's got to get through that stinking thinking and get you where you need to be. James said to the congregants, many of you sleep because of the contention among you. Many of you are sick because there's too much clutter in your heart and God wants to clean out your soul. Wants there to be a total reformation of how you think so that he can flow and give you the fullness of himself. Here's the thing. This is these are the three things. Because everybody wants to have an infused soul and spirit, right? You want the two to be tight like God intended. That was the hope. Okay? I'm going to give you some action items to take away. Here's some things that I want you to do. It's going to sound real simple, but it requires discipline every single day. Look, I can give you three things to tell you how to lose weight. It sounds real simple, but it requires discipline. I should be able to sell out of, of books. Three things I can tell you what to do. Exercise diet and get plenty of rest boom million dollar book let's put that out but it requires discipline okay same thing here here's the three things number one praying and singing in the spirit Praying and singing in the Spirit. I want you to understand everything I'm saying has to do with your personal relationship with God. I want you to claim Matthew 6 rules on this, okay? None of this has to do with what you do before men. It all has to do with what you do in private. Hypocrites love to pray. They do it to be seen. They do it to be heard. Praying in spirit, it's not against the rules for you to pray in spirit in public. However, the importance, as Paul taught, is for you to do it in private. 
because you're edifying yourself. And this is the importance. You're edifying who you are. What does that mean? Your soul and your spirit. You're infusing that connection with God. You're doing what God intended for you to do. Creating a space where you and him are consistently communicating. This helps when you need consultation. We all want to know how to hear the spirit. This is how you do it. You cannot bypass relationship. Practice it. Go into your secret closet. Spend time with him. Praying and singing. This is scriptural. I'll let you chase it down. I'm not going to give you all the scriptures for it. We'll be here all day. This is all scriptural. Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, Romans. I, I mean, I could pull them out. Paul said the same stuff. This is, this, there's application for it. Now, if you have challenge, and when I say praying in the spirit, I do mean in your heavenly language. If you have challenge with this, if you don't understand it, message me. Message me. Message me. I will give you scripture. I'll give you context. I will pray with you. And you'll have it. Listen, it's not. People always say this. Do I have to speak in tongue if I'm saved? No, you don't have to. You get to. You get to. It is a. If It's an opportunity for you. And if you don't use it as much as you, you need to. Understand this. Paul preached, and, and people use this to, to, to teach against speaking in tongue, but that was never the intention. He was teaching Corinthians about how to do it of doing it. He says that, but he says in those same scriptures the benefit of doing it. He says that you're speaking mysteries. Mysteries, mysteries, things that pass your normal wisdom. Things that you can't, you're bypassing your stinking thinking when you're speaking in an unknown language to God. That is your spirit and God's spirit in communion with each other. What he will do, Paul said it. He said, I will pre, I will sing and I will pray in, uh, in tongues and I will also pray in an understanding. What is he saying? He says, I need interpretation of what communication my spirit was having with God so I can be edified mentally by it. So it requires both. Not just one, not just the other. Sing and pray in heavenly language. First thing. Second thing. Receive revelation. Receive revelation. So a lot of times we're asking for information. We need revelation. Information only edifies what you can think of. It has a limitation of your understanding. Revelation, it is what it is. When the Spirit reveals something, you don't have to understand it. It just is. And it's causing us delays. There's things that you're asking for information on and you're trying to learn and God's trying to reveal. Receive revelation. You don't have the timetable. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, how dare you wait? And do, well, I need you to give me a plan on how to eat better and how to do this and do... You need healing. You need revelation power. When it's time for you to in turn teach that to someone else, then you can get the information. Right now, get the revelation. Now, here's, here's three ways that you receive revelation. One, inspired preaching. If you are not connected to a 
into a church that is preaching the word of God. You need to leave. It makes no sense for you to go to a church because your aunt and uncle or grandparent had their name on the rock. That, that doesn't matter. Are you receiving life? If you are not, it is not true religion. It is not real relationship. You're just doing something. This isn't a social club or a social experiment. This is your life. This is kingdom. So a lot of people, a lot of people choose churches for a lot of reasons other than the word being preached. And that's a mistake. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Paul said it. He said, how dare you fight over who belongs to Apollo and who belongs to, 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 to Paul? I don't want to know nothing about y'all and save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm glad I didn't baptize none of y'all craziness. He said, you're immature. I can't even speak to you through the revelations of God. I got to give you this light stuff because you up here fighting over who you. Some people go to church because of the affiliation. You're chasing banners. You want somebody to pat you on the back because you belong to so-and-so's church. And you can't pray off a coal. You need to come to revelation. You need a revelation of God. The word should start making changes in your heart. You should start seeing changes, transformation occurring. Your relationships should start mending. People that you had, had wrote off and didn't talk to, you should start picking up the phone and I don't I got a need to pray for them. If you're able to slip in and slip out and, and nobody can tell. There's scripture for all of this. You chase it down. I'm not finna convince you. Two, daily meditation. Daily meditation. David said it so many times in the word about how a day and night, I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm meditating. What are you meditating on? You're meditating on the revelations you've received. Revelations aren't just for one time. Oh, pastor, Sunday boy what'd he say uh, just go to the tape and um, he some scripture he was coming out of you should be able to preach the sermon back to the pastor because you're meditating off of the revelation daily it should carry you through the week there's no more time. 2020 has checked entertainment church of the show. People are tired of the show. Lights, camera, action, a word. <laughs> oh, and you go home the same way. Meditate. Meditate. Three, spirit-inspired study. Means that your study life needs to be inspired by the spirit. You see how these, all these things work together? You spend time with the spirit, prayer, song you receive revelation from ministry from daily meditation from your own personal study life what is this doing this is infusing your relationship with who you were created to be in it's time out for you to just be a part of church you need to be a part of the body infused 
plenty of scriptures on that. All right. That was three ways to receive revelations. All right. Now, the third thing and the final thing. And this is very important. Operate in obedience. What's the use of receiving the revelation? What's the use of meditating on it if it doesn't cause you to act? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. Listen, James said, I'll show you my faith by what you see me do. I believe and therefore you see me acting in that way. It should create an obedience. We must submit ourselves to the spirit of God in obedience to the revelation received. We've got to follow the direction of the revelation because domination without consultation is sin or an offense and will cause you to be the enemy of God. That's it. I'm good. Every heart clear. I'm going to pray for you. Pastor, anything? I'm going to pray for you and we're going to dismiss. I hope you heard. I hope your, your heart heard from God today. I hope you received. Mow this over. Go to Ministry One app. Get all of this beautiful, wonderful word. Listen, God gave it freely. He gave it to you. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Let it change you. Father, I thank you right now for the people of God. I thank you for where we're going in this new year. I thank you for us grabbing the reins and stop allowing this world to dictate the kingdom. You've given us responsibility over the kingdom and we're going to take the reins and we're going to do what you said. You said if we believe in you, we will heal the sick. We will raise the dead. We will go into these homes. We will go into these communities. We will change the face of everything that's going on. Strong city and the body of Christ as a whole will implement change in this earth. How does your kingdom come? How does your will be done? It is going to be done in us. Where is the kingdom? It is in the hearts of your believers. And we will, we will allow ourselves to be your portal into this earth. Have your way. Father, we thank you for power right now. We thank you for healing and for deliverance right now. We thank you for mending hearts and minds. We thank you for healing things that we cannot see. We thank you for revelation. Thank you for being good. We're going to give you glory, honor, and praise for all the days of our life. And we're going to continue to bless your name because we are created to be in your presence. Jesus' name, we give all thanks to you forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us.